Psalm 115. Making our way chapter by chapter through the Bible. Psalm 115. Psalm 115. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand. Before we begin, let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much, Lord, that we can just open up the Bible, Lord, and be like sponges and take in your word. And Father, it it doesn't have to be just on Sundays. It can be every day of the week, but we can come together as a, a family on Sunday multiple times, Lord, and just to take in your word and be changed by it. And Father, we love you. We need you. I just pray, Father, that uh, you would just use the message tonight to strengthen us, to give us spiritual grit, Lord, uh, to give us uh, an oomph to our walk, Lord, as we get up tomorrow for another week in which we want to glorify you, Lord. We want to live for you. And Father, we know that your word says, Lord Jesus, you, you command us to abide in you. We can't do that apart from your word. So we come tonight to abide, Lord Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, Psalm 115. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory. You know, we are not wired to give God the glory for for things in our life. We're not wired that way. There's a terrible tendency that we have to Touch the glory, the glory of God. Put our hand on it or get, you know, get in the spotlight when the Lord deserves the spotlight. Oftentimes I, I pray to the Lord, Lord, please let me just be a spectator of what you want to do through me. And that should be every one of your prayers too. Lord, let me be a spectator of what you want to do through my life. Speaking of your life. And so... Um, you know, but in addition, when we're praying, when we're praying, we always need to have God's glory in mind. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name, give the glory. Uh, and, you know, so many times, you know, we treat the Lord like Santa Claus. Lord, I want this new house. I want this new car. I want this new job. I want this promotion. I want the um, husband. I want a wife. But embedded, literally, in every single prayer request needs to be for your glory. For your glory. Because if, if the prayer request or an answer to prayer, getting what we want, is not going to promote God's glory, then we shouldn't be praying for it. And I don't know if a new car is going to glorify God. And there's nothing wrong with praying for a new car. 
but embedded in that prayer request needs to be from your heart, but for your glory. But for your glory. I appreciate so much of what Pastor Scott talked about last week. Doesn't mean we don't pray for things. <laughs> it, it, you, there's such a tendency to be hyper spiritual. We don't pray for promotions because we think it's unspiritual to 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 be like that. When that's an investment that we can make in the kingdom of God, <clears throat> sometimes getting a promotion, but. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory. You know, this is always a battle for every man and woman. We are not wired to experience great success. We're just not wired like that. Uh, That is why, because of God's mercy, he waits on prospering you in many ways. That's why... You, you know, uh, it, that's why God doesn't establish thriving churches in a pastor uh, overnight. Or he doesn't uh, take someone in a, in a profession and necessarily uh, make them thrive overnight when they are Christians, when they're children of God. Because we're not wired to take, um, to take uh, that kind of, uh, that kind of, of... Of attention, I know recently uh, s- someone heard me on the radio, and uh, they called in and they were saying how much they were blessed by the radio. And please, please don't take this the wrong way. But they made a comment to the woman who took the call. They said, "You know, Steve, he's such a man of God." And I didn't say anything. Uh, about it, and I, I appreciate that. But there's no way that she, this woman, can know if I'm a man or God, of God or not. There's no possible way she can, because a spiritual gift and character are completely separate. And there's so many people that can get up in a pulpit like this and teach the Word of God excellently and be a man or woman who are ungodly. But it's, you know, it's tough when you, sometimes, particularly for a younger believer, because you hear something like that, and you're like, hmm, I am a man of God. People are telling me that. There's no way this woman can know that. She doesn't know me. And, and obviously, I know she had a good heart. I'm not criticizing her. But, but we're not wired for success. And that's why so many times... The Lord, you know, we have to wait on, on the successes of the Lord because he wants to get us to the place where we are safe to bless. And that is a, a, a prayer request, uh, a routine prayer request um, that, that I've been praying for for years. Lord, get me to that place where I'm safe to bless. And that's where God wants to bring uh, every single one of us. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us. But to your name, give, give glory. Because of your mercy, because of your truth, why should the Gentiles say, so where is their God? Now, this is, this is a lie, a whispering of Satan. Where is your God? Where is he? Where is he in this really tough situation that you're in right now? Does it look like he's... Coming to the rescue. Doesn't look like he cares about your circumstances. So where is their, 
God, Pharaoh. I, I frequently quote poor Pharaoh. Um, you know, when Moses went out in and said, let my people go, Pharaoh said, who is Jehovah that I should obey him? And this is so oftentimes, this is the attitude of the world. Where, where is your God? Who is your God? Why should I listen to your God? Verse 3, but our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Now, don't take that the wrong way. Uh, he, he's not t- talking in an arbitrary way, like, I do whatever I please. But, but no, whatever the Lord pleases is holy, perfect, and completely consistent uh, with his character. Their idols are silver and gold, the works of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have. But they do not walk, nor do they mutter through their throat. And here, this is important. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. Those who make them, underline this verse, are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. You know, there's a... Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful verse that we quote oftentimes uh, here at Calvary Chapel in the city. Second uh, uh, Corinthians 3.18 But we all, speaking of the children of God, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of God. You know, even as we are... Um, beholding the Lord and following the Lord, we're becoming like the Lord. But the exact same thing happens, the exact same thing happens for those with those who pursue idols, the Word of God says. It says people become like their idols to such an extent, it's really creepy actually, that people will start becoming like the idols that they're pursuing. They're pursuing um, the uh, a, a number of years ago. Uh, Halle Berry, the that is that actress, she won an Academy Award uh, for Best Actress, and she she was uh, on TV being interviewed. And I appreciate her honesty. She was fighting terrible depression. She says, "I don't know why I'm here." And I don't know where I'm going. I really appreciate the honesty, but it is uh, it is a uh, correct sort of uh, it, it's an accurate assessment of so many who are in Hollywood. And you can't help but think that wow, you know, here is this person who uh, this is this is really what's in her heart and. She is idolized. The Academy Awards, it, it just always um, amazes me just how much attention 
it gets, just what the people wear and what's happening and what uh, uh, shows up. Actually, it shouldn't amaze me because they're just, you know, you can't expect dead people to act like anything other than dead people, right? Um, they're, they're not born again and they're not living a redeemed life and they're doing exactly what we would be doing if the Lord had not saved us. But, but you know, th- there's so much attention on it. There's, it and Halle Berry, there, that's a, a, a woman that people idolize. And what the Bible says is that those who um, make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. And that the reason so much, so many people, men and women in America, are depressed and they don't know what where they're going is because they idolize people like her. And she doesn't know who she is, nor, the, nor does she know where she's going. And people are becoming like her. And, uh, it, it, and, you know, and, and so people say, oh, there's no such thing as idols anymore. Uh, people don't worship those little statues. Actually, they do in many countries. They absolutely do. But uh, in America, obviously less so. But there's just as much idolatry and just as much people becoming like their idols. I just always amazed when I read the Word of God. It's just so rich and relevant to today how people are becoming so much like the idols uh, that they trust in. Verse 9, O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You know, it's, it's, uh, it, it, there's actually a progression here. Verse 9 is referring to Israel, the people of Israel, the Jewish people, and an exhortation for them to trust in the Lord. Uh, verse 10 is talking about the house of Aaron, meaning the priests. You know, you do have times in Israel's history, including when Jesus appeared on the scene, where the priestly class was not trusting in the Lord, but many, many of the multitude of Israel was. Israel was going, all of Israel, it says, was going out to be baptized by John the Baptist. But, the, you know, meanwhile, the priestly class and the religious class was condemning him. But, uh, you know, so it's first starting with the children of Israel. You trust the Lord. House of Aaron, you trust the Lord. And then in verse 11, you who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. And there was known um, in Israel's history as God-fearing Gentiles. Gentiles who were not born Jews, but they believed in Jehovah. We'll actually read more about this subject later, but um, the Jews were always evangelistic in nature, meaning their very existence God meant to uh, meant for the main purpose of which was to draw the world to Him. And so, uh, by the way, the, verse nine through eleven. This is one of those. Uh, one of those times where one person is saying it, probably a Levite, and the, the people in the congregation were repeating it. Uh, so, O Israel, trust in the Lord. And then the whole congregation says, He is their help and their shield. And that's repeated three times. Verse 12, The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and and great. God is not a respecter of persons, the Bible says in the book of James. And by that, that's the King James Version. By that, 
James means. He, it doesn't matter if a person's great or small. He blesses them. He blesses those who fear him. Not on the basis that they're great or small, but on the basis that they fear him. Verse 14, may the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. And this I take comfort in as a father of five, that there are many verses in the Bible that encourage me that even as I fear the Lord, even as I serve the Lord, that uh, he will give increase not only to me, but to my children. And by increase, I, I don't mean material increase. I mean increase of the reward and the Lord Jehovah. El Shaddai is our reward, the Bible says. And there's nothing I want more than uh, for there to be increase in the life of my children. The reward that they receive, their reward being Jesus himself. Verse 15, may you, may you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heavens, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the... Uh, Earth he has given to the children of men. And so this is, some people, people interpret this verse in a couple of different ways. One is that he's given the church um, over to the children of men and they're completely trashing it. I don't agree with that. I just, this is like a Genesis uh, chapter 2 kind of verse. He's given the, the earth to men to be, the children of men to be stewards stewards of the earth to take care of it to 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 be blessed by it but to also be good stewards verse 17 the dead do not praise the lord nor any who go down into silence and of course we know uh because we have more revelation actually than the writer of this psalm we know that in heaven there absolutely will uh be uh, a lot of praising the lord the thought here is that Look, guys, you look, you need, you're alive. You need to praise the Lord. You need to glorify God uh, in your life. You don't want to just live out your life and then get, you know, croak or whatever, and then you're gone. You need to praise Him now, verse 18. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Psalm 116. This is one of my favorite psalms. Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications. Because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call upon him as long as I live. The pains of death surrounded me and the pains of Sheol laid hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow, then I called Upon the name of the Lord, O Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low and he saved me. Return to your rest, O my soul. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. I love that. Now, the Bible says that, Jesus says that the Father is seeking those uh, to worship him in spirit and in truth. And, you know, 
you, when you worship the Lord, you got to combine both those things. There are some places who just sort of worship the God in spirit. And you walk in there and there's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of craziness. But they're not worshiping Him in truth. You go to other places, places they're worshiping God in truth. And they're, you know... They're so right about their doctrine, they're dead right, and it's just dead orthodoxy. The Lord wants us to combine those. He wants us to worship Him in spirit and in truth. In other words, He wants us to worship intelligently. Notice how this, this psalm says, I love the Lord because... Why am I bringing up this point? Well, it's easy to say I love the Lord. But if we're going to worship the Lord intelligently, it's good to tell Him why. Remember, this is a worship manual where we learn how to worship the Lord. It's good to, to tell the Lord why we love Him. You know, I love hearing from my kids and from my wife that they love me. I really do. But I gotta say, it means a whole lot more when I hear from Stephanie, I love you because. It means a lot, lot more. Because you are, you, you teach me the Bible, you teach the kids the Bible, or you um, are kind to me, or I love you dad because you play tennis with me or because you uh, do Bible time for us, even though sometimes we get bored, uh, you know, this type of thing. We worship, when we worship the Lord, you know, the Bible, Jesus says, don't be like the pagans and pray with vain babblings, just with vain repetition. And so we don't want to just say, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. We want to worship in intelligently because there's nothing better than sometimes writing by the way i think i brought this up a couple of weeks ago writing out these things and so when, when i have a day of, of prayer sometimes before the day i write out you know what it is that i love about the lord <laughs> and that's a great thing to do we want to worship the lord intelligently in his case here uh, the psalmist it's just because he has here. He's a God who hears. The pains of death surrounded me. The pings of Sheol, meaning uh, Sheol is the, the the resting place of the dead. The Abraham's bosom laid hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow, and then I called upon the name of the Lord. O oh Lord, I implore you, deliver my soul. Why else is he? Why else is, does he love the Lord? Verse 5, because the Lord is gracious, because the Lord is righteous, because the Lord is merciful. And so he's worshiping here. He's worshiping here intelligently. It says the Lord preserves the simple. We've, we're in Psalm, I think it was 37 uh, a while ago, which says... You know, dwell in the land and, and feed on God's faithfulness. The Lord loves the simple life. He loves the simple life. Uh, 
And, you know, there will be times in your life where you, as Eva was talking about this morning. By the way, I was just really blessed by him. Really, I thought it was just fabulous. We have we filmed it. And so if you're interested in seeing the film and you weren't here, uh, we we may be able to... to well, I don't know if we can get it on the web. We're going to show it to the youth. But if you're interested, let me know. But, you know... What was the guy's name that what was the guy's name that he beat? Carly Burton? Was Courtney. Courtney. It, was, it was close. Courtney Burton. Um, you know, we may have one, perhaps two, Courtney Burton experiences in our life. The Lord does bring those. But most of the Christian life is dwelling in the land and feeding on his faithfulness. And that's what it's talking about here. It says the Lord preserves the simple. The Lord loves to see just the quiet, faithful life. And my experience has been the quiet, faithful life takes as much faith, it's as much a work of faith as knocking down Courtney Burton. I really mean that. Most of the difficulties we have in counseling at our church week after week after week is because people refuse to just move forward in a quiet, simple life of faith that blesses the Lord. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low and he saved me. And this is one to cut out and put over your doorpost. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. You know, we have a battle. And most of you who show up on Sunday night, your, your Bible literate. I love what, what uh, Evo said this morning. He said after being at Calvary for a year, he started realizing that the people he was speaking to knew the Bible much more than he knew the Bible. So he was like, hey, I need to start studying the Bible. Um, and and then he really now he was telling me how much he was in the in the word now it's it's totally awesome but um, uh, you guys who show up on Sunday night you're, you're pretty Bible literate you know stuff like Romans seven there's a battle with the old man and the new man and uh, uh, in Christ we have com- we have power over the old man and we can put it to death Bible says uh, we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. For our, so his life will be revealed in our mortal bodies. So we we put to death the old man and praise the Lord. He's given us the power to do that. But if we're not putting him to death, he will take he or she will take over our life. And one of the ways they do that is the old man is just a pit of anxiety. It's an anxiety pit that if we don't put it to death, we'll fall into that pit and just man, uh, it, it'll it'll be. Just, you know, anxiety will start taking over. And that's when we, by faith, have to remember who the Lord is. What His promises are for the future, but also what He's done in the past. And so many times I've had to say to my soul, return to your rest because the Lord has dealt bountifully with me. I love this. I love Psalm 116, verse 7. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. 
I'm telling you, that is some seriously beautiful literature. I'm sorry, I sound like a geeky English teacher, but um, it, it's true. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you, for you've delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. So you notice how after reflecting on the faithfulness of God in the past, he can now take confidence with what God is going to do in the future. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore I spoke. I believed, therefore I spoke. Actually, Paul quotes this. And I think it's in 2 Corinthians 3. I think it's in 2 Corinthians 3. I believe, therefore, I spoke. You know, when, when the Lord gives us the gift of faith, He does want us to speak about it. He does want us to release the faith. I believe, therefore, I spoke. I am greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits towards me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Kind of interesting, this verse, often quoted by the way, comes out of nowhere, doesn't it? It's like, whoa, what's all this? <laughs> Where do we... These are often quoted verse, but I, I really, what, what does that have to do with the verses before and after? Well, I, I, I believe uh, that it is just an, an, an expression similar to verse. Um, Verse 9, where he says, I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. It's just an expression that he is going to go forward. And if, it, if, he's, going to, if it's going to, he's going to die with the Lord, he'll die with the Lord. Knowing that precious is it in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And how many martyrs uh, we have had who have given their, their life for the Lord. You've probably heard this many times, but more in the last century than all the previous centuries combined. Christians killed uh, for their faith. And uh, here at Calvary Chapel in the city, we, we do, you know, Voice of the Martyrs, other ministries of the persecuted church, we really, really do want to try to get behind the persecuted church. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. First John says, no greater love is than this, than a man lays down his life for his friends. Of course, that talks supremely of Jesus, but supremely Jesus is our example. Verse 16, O Lord, truly I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bond. So, you know, in verses 3 and 4, it describes someone who is just in bondage. Bondage to what? Just anxiety, trouble, sorrow. Fear. And as they reflect on who the Lord is, verse 5, gracious, righteous, and merciful, they can say, return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bondfully with you, and they can move on. 
And and supremely, Jesus said, so when the Son of Man sets you free, you're free indeed. And freedom is so much a part of our life in Christ. I will offer you to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all His people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Psalm 117. The shortest chapter in the Bible. Now, a couple chapters from now, we're going to read the longest chapter in the Bible. This is the shortest chapter in the Bible. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud Him, all you people. For His merciful kindness is great towards us, and the truth of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. So, Psalm 117, you know, memorize that. And you can go around uh, saying, you know, uh, memorize an entire chapter of the Bible. The problem with that is you're giving yourself glory and you're violating Psalm 115, verse 1. But uh, anyway, you've got to give God the glory. But uh, Psalm 117, and this uh, is uh, actually, Psalm 117 is, is a verse that quoted by the Apostle Paul. Um, again, a lot of, a lot of Jewish people... Uh, historically have not seen the the Jewish people as a people who really under are under really the command of God to go out and tell people about the Lord but that's not what the Old Testament teaches and that's in this uh, actually is an example uh, Psalm 117 where they're saying praise the Lord all you Gentiles all you non-Jews look uh, who we have here uh, we have uh, the Lord. We have the Lord our God. And in uh, Romans uh, chapter 15, uh, Paul, actually, who was criticized, many of the Jews had a big time problem uh, with the Apostle Paul going out and telling non-Jews about Jesus. Now, that may seem very strange to us in the year 2010, but Christianity was nothing more than a Jewish sect when it first started. It was just all Jews. And they had a really big issue with him uh, going out and uh, telling non-Jews about, uh, non-Jews about the Lord. And, and actually in Romans 15, uh, Paul addresses this in uh, four different verses he quotes. And there's many more than four uh, from the Old Testament where uh, the Gentiles, uh, where their Jews are supposed to go and tell the Gentiles about the Lord. And in Romans 59, he's, he, uh, he quotes, uh, he says the Old Testament, For this reason I will confess to, confess to you among the Gentiles, uh, he says in uh, Romans 15, verse 9. And then he goes, Rejoice O Gentiles, with the Lord. And in verse 11 of Romans 15, he quotes the very verse we just read in uh, Psalm 117. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you people. And then again, then in verse 12, Paul quotes uh, Isaiah, where Isaiah says, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. So many Jews, what do you mean reign over the Gentiles? The Messiah is going to reign over the Gentiles? That's not something they focused a whole lot on, particularly by the time 
Jesus is on the scene and they had a major issue with Paul. So Psalm 117, really important that we understand, and we're really going to get into it in Psalm 118, that the Psalms are repeatedly quoted uh, far more than any other book of the Bible in the New Testament and by Jesus. So along that vein, Psalm 118. Probably quoted in the quotes in this psalm probably are more familiar to you than any other quote uh, in in the Old Testament, and you'll see why in a second. Psalm one seventeen. Oh, give uh, rather Psalm one eighteen. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. You say, haven't we seen that in about twenty other psalms? That exact same verse. Yeah, we're dumb sheep. We need to hear that a lot. We need to hear that. Verse 2, let Israel now say, his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron now say, his mercy endures forever. And I like that because verse 2 is just focus on the people. Let them say his mercy endures forever. But don't think for a second that just because you're a priest, you don't need to be exhorted the exact same thing. You know, pastors, priests, they think after a while that they're in some unique category and they don't need the same kind of exhortation. That's why so many pastors uh, get into uh, get into trouble. Just heard today about a pastor that we know who's just departed. He's taken off from the ministry. And it's a tragedy every, th- every time it happens, but that's because so many pastors get lulled into this thing where they don't think somehow, they think they're in a class by themselves and they, that they don't need the Word of God just as much as everyone else. Verse 4, same thing, he moves now to the Gentiles. Let those who fear the Lord now say, His mercy endures forever. I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. Now, when you see that in the Psalms, set me in a broad place, it, 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 what it, the, the thinking is he, he set me in a place where you're, you're free from the bondage, you're free to worship him, and you're free to serve him in a broad place as opposed to like a straitjacket. You're like, you can't serve the Lord. You're in bondage to your anxieties, your fears, and your, the defeat and guilt in your life. Verse 6, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do? do to me now there is that's this is an interesting verse here the lord is on my side i will not fear what can man do to me it reminds me of psalm 62 which has similar kinds of of declarations in it you know i have two different kinds of people that i talk to sometimes and they will the first will come and say a verse like this the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And I, I literally tremble for the person because I know they're going to be body slammed because it's what they're saying. They're saying in the power of their own flesh and they're saying in pride. But that doesn't mean you can't say this exact same thing with utter total humility. You can. You can say with complete total humility, spirit-filled, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And and every one of us, I just pray you get to the place where you can say this and you can say this with utter humility in your life. Verse 7, the Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. 
Put confidence in princes. How many today are putting confidence in princes? You know, we speak of the the unsaved, unredeemed man, and I don't think there's anything that defines unredeemed, unconverted, unregenerated man and woman than this kind of thing. That putting confidence in princes. I remember uh, I was born here in Massachusetts. I moved away when I was nine. I moved to Venezuela. And in and, 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 and developing country, countries, Venezuela is one of them that, you know, politics, it's just the, the political figures tend to be messianic. And I know that can sort of kind of happen in, in this country as well. But man, the things that I used to see, just people just completely putting their hope um, in political figures and just people just being whipped up into frenzy. And again, same thing happens in the political process here, but they had to literally close down schools during elections uh, uh, when they happened because just people were just so intense about, about wow, this was the guy and he was going to save the country. And of course, they never did country actually today is uh, Venezuela is a mess because um, people putting too much confidence in their uh, their current ruler Hugo Chavez who's who's trashing the country uh, now but um, it is better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in princes and you know one of the distinct marks that a salvation experience is real is when all of a sudden you lose your all your heroes. And that is the, one of the first things that went when I became a Christian. All those, those stars and people, uh, posters over my bed growing up and rock stars. All of a sudden, when the scales fell off my eyes, they were revealed for who they really were. And a mark of a Christian is that you understand you cannot trust in Man and princes. Verse 10, all nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surrounded me. Yes, they surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surrounded me like bees. They were quenched like a fire of thorns. So a fire of thorns is another way of saying bees, you know, getting poked by bees. And unfortunately, I have had that experience where I've been attacked by a whole swarm of bees. Oh, man. Uh, not something I would wish upon anyone. But anyway, I deserved it because I was throwing rocks with my brother at uh, beehives. But uh, for in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. You pu- uh, push me violently that I might fall. But the help, but the Lord help me. The Lord is my strength and song. Now, if you have a pen or pencil, I want you to circle the word strength. And I want you to circle the word song. And then I want you to put a line between them. Because brothers and sisters, there is a connection between strength and song. There's a connection. There's a link in the life with Christ between strength and song. If you're walking with the Lord, if you're in His Word, if you're, you're seeking Him in prayer... He's faithful to put a song in your heart, and that song brings strength. Without a song, it's difficult to have any strength. And so it doesn't mean that the song's always in 
I'm not saying that I walk around all day, you know, with a worship song on my heart. Uh, but the, 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 the Lord does want to bring us to that place because song and strength, there's a connection between the two. And he has become my salvation. Verse 15, the voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. So I know I sound like a broken record, but if we've learned anything from the Psalms, it's this, that if you're depressed and you're discouraged and, and you've been in that season for a long time, that's not, the, that's not the place that God wants you to remain in. Now, we live in fallen bodies. We live in bodies that have been tainted, defiled by sin, and so discouragement uh, can and will be a part of the Christian life. But the Bible says the voice of rejoicing and of salvation is in the tents of the righteous, and it is a promise. Sometimes you get in a season of life where you're wondering, am I ever going to experience that song that rejoicing in my heart ever again? The answer is, as you stay faithful to the Lord and that quiet life of faith, feeding on His faithfulness, yes, it will. It will come. It's just a fact. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. Verse 16, the right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. I remember a friend of ours got cancer and someone prophetically gave her this verse, that's a dangerous thing to do. If you do that, I really, really need to seek the Lord before you you, you quote a, a verse like this. Because if you're wrong, you've misrepresented the Lord, and you've you, 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 actually you've, you, you've, you have the potential of doing a lot of damage. But uh, in this case, I believe it was really a prophetic utterance. This person quoted this to this person, this other woman, a friend of ours who had cancer, and, and she did live. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. She lived to declare the works of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Now, this is a theme throughout the word of God as well. Sometimes a season of chastening, of discipline by the Lord is severe. But we can always take heart that the Lord has not forsaken us. He doesn't give us over to death unless, of course, it's our time to, to be with Him. Verse 19, open to me the gates of righteousness, and I will go through them, and I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. Jesus calls himself the gate. I find that exciting. Jesus calls himself the gate in John chapter 10. This says, this is the gate of the Lord. Jesus is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. Remember, Jesus said, broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life and through few shall enter by it. But if you enter through Jesus, you do enter. Verse 21, I will praise you for you have answered me and you have become my salvation. 
the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Now many of you probably are familiar with verse 22. Verse 22, it's I believe quoted in 1 Peter, but more importantly by Jesus himself. Right after he had come into Jerusalem. You know, sometimes we forget after Jesus came into Jerusalem for that last uh, last time, that last journey to Jerusalem, he did not stop um, teaching. He he stepped it up, man. I mean, he he really started cranking then. Many of the parables that we're familiar with were taught after he came into Jerusalem in that final week. And one of those parables is, uh, um, is of the wicked vine dresser, the one where the uh, landowner plants a vineyard, sets a hedge around it, dugs, digs a wine press, builds, builds a tower, and uh, and then you know the people kill the servants of the wine press, and then they kill uh, more servants. Finally, they kill the son. And at the end of the parable, Jesus quotes Psalm one eighteen, which we just read, and he said to them, "Have you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone?" This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. So this Psalm 18 is a prophetic psalm. That the chief cornerstone, the the Messiah, and this is what so many Jews did not understand, would be rejected. He would be rejected by Israel. Even John the Baptist struggled tremendously with the concept of, that the Messiah was rejected. He came, he was in prison, and, you know, Jesus was had a ministry that really started confusing John. Blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor in spirit. What's all this about? John thought that Jesus was going to come in, and he was going to uh, take over. He was going to take over Rome, and... Uh, if you remember in John chapter 2, in John chapter 2, uh, uh, he says, let me see, where am I looking here now? Is it John chapter 2? Maybe it's Luke Hmm, where is it? Oh, wow. See, assistant pastor's really doing a good job here backing me up. Luke 6 or 7, I don't think I'm... I don't... No, it actually... Close, it was Luke 3, Pastor Greg. But you, but you led me in the right direction. In Luke chapter 3, verse 17, uh, John the Baptist says, uh, speaking of Jesus... Uh, I, you know, I baptize you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing uh, fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out the thre- his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn, but the chafe he will burn with unquenchable fire. Man, 
John the Baptist thought he was going to come in. And he was just going to just wipe everyone out, judgment. And indeed, in the Old Testament, that's what the Messiah is foretold to do. But, as we know very well, Psalm, I mean, Isaiah 53 and Zechariah, many other places, it's clear that there are two comings of the Messiah. And the first, the Messiah would be rejected. And so John the Baptist, actually, when he was uh, arrested, thrown in prison, he sent disciples to Jesus. And he says, are you the one or should be... or should we be waiting for another? And you scratch your head and you, what? What's the John the Baptist asking this question for? Well, he was discouraged. He was prison. He didn't really understand yet that um, Jesus was the suffering servant. And what did Jesus say to him? He said, you go back and you tell, uh, uh, you go back and you tell John that the dead are being raised, the lame are leaping up, the blind are uh, being are seeing the deaf, are getting their uh, hearing back. And he was actually quoting Isaiah, which Isaiah was really clear. clear, clear. Isaiah was really clear that uh, when the Messiah came, uh, that they would be seeing all those signs. And so uh, this is a prophetic psalm, Psalm 118. The stones which the builders rejected has become the chief corner stone. This was the Lord's doing. It was marvelous in our eyes. Now, Psalm 118, verse 25, is probably the most familiar quoted passage in the New Testament. Um, But you probably are not going to recognize it because of the translation. Save now, I pray, O Lord. Now, who who knows what this is in the New Testament? That's right. Hosanna. Uh, uh, Hosanna, Matthew 21, when uh, Jesus came in, they shouted out, quoting Psalm 118, because it was a messianic psalm, and they, it, many people did understand it to be a, a, a messianic song, psalm. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And it's a real cool thing about the word Hosanna. It's, it means save now. I love that. Save us now, Messiah. And you know what the cool thing about it is? You may say, well, why didn't Jesus do that? Why didn't he save them? He did. He went to the cross. He did what was necessary to save them now. He answered that prayer. Save now. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Verse 26 of Psalm 118. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. Again, a messianic psalm. So the people who received Jesus in Jerusalem were shouting this out, verse 26, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Messiah comes in the name of the Lord. Of course, this completely freaked out uh, the Pharisees and the chief priests. And they, they, they told him, Look, you need to tell your, your folks to be silent. And, and of course, Jesus says, if, if they're silent, even the rocks will cry out. Even the rocks will cry out. Verse 27, God is the Lord and he has given us light. Bind the sacrifice 
with cords to the horns of the altar. What on earth does that mean? Again, I'm teaching to a literate crew, uh, crew here. And so you, many of you may well know that that is referring to when they took cords uh, of the sacrifice in the, the, the law of Moses and was a bull or whatever and tied it to the horns of the altar and a burnt sacrifice uh, would be burned completely uh, on the sacrifice. And uh, Jesus fulfilled... Le- Leviticus is a tough book to read. I, I, I was talking to Pastor Serge on Friday night and one of the guys who's teaching there is a younger Christian and he's teaching through the Old Testament. But when he got to Leviticus, he said, uh, can you take this book, please? And so uh, Pastor Serge took over for the book of Leviticus. But Jesus, there's actually, it's, it really is wonderful going through uh, the books of Leviticus. It goes through all the sacrifices, the peace offering, the sin offering, the burnt offering. Jesus fulfilled them all. Be, Jesus fulfilled them all, uh, the sin offering, but also the burnt offering. It was the burnt offering was when they compl- the, the offering was completely consumed by fire, completely consumed by fire, and 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 that's what happened on the cross. It was complete judgment and wrath, complete outpouring of the wrath of God uh, on Jesus. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. Interesting, although these people didn't realize that the Messiah first had to come and be suffered and suffer, they didn't study the very verses enough that they were quoting. As it goes right on to say, after, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, it talks about the burnt offering. Isn't that wonderful? That was fulfilled by Jesus. Verse 28, you are my God, I will praise you. You are my God, I will exalt you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Okay, next Sunday we'll do the longest chapter in the Bible. So this Sunday we did the shortest. Next Sunday we'll do the longest.